What can you expect from Todd Gurley next season? And who should you be fading in the 2019-2020 World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge? Plus the 2019 FFPC $25,000 Terminator Champion Scott Stauffer sits in for Dave Gerzak as we talk about Leonard Fournette's big season, whether Terry McLaurin can keep it up next year, and much, much more. We've got a great show for you. Scott Stauffer is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. everybody. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Greetings to you, my friend, Rob. Greetings and salutations to the rest of you, Balkaholics, Singers, Addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. However, we have a very special co-host again tonight. A self-proclaimed, long-suffering Miami Dolphins fan who needed to find an outlet to make the NFL season more interesting, he started playing in local leagues like many, and then saw an ad in a football magazine advertising the first WCOF. Love Vegas and decided to take a shot at competing against the best. His highlights over the years include the WCOF Draft Masters champion, the runner-up in the NFFC Classic, the NFFC Ultimate Champion, and individual league championships across the FFPC, the FPC, NFFPC, excuse me, NFC, NFFC, NFFCP, NFSC Auction, WCOFF on the high stakes front over the years. I want to please welcome in the $25,000 grand prize 2019 uh, Terminator champion. You follow him on Twitter at Scott Stoffer 13. Please welcome into the high stakes fantasy football hour. It's Mr. Scott Stoffer. Scott, a belated Merry Christmas to you and an early happy new year. Thanks for coming on and hanging out with me this week, man. My pleasure, Eric. Thank you very much for the invite and Merry Christmas. Happy new year to you and all the listeners. And congratulations go out to you right away on winning the Terminator. I know we're going to get into that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just looking at, at sort of the, how the leaderboard um, ended up. It, it wasn't nearly as dramatic as, as some people's uh, championships were. The, the Terminator, I, I don't want to say like it, it, it was kind of a buzzkill at the end, but you, you kind of had to know you had it in hand, right? There was one point on Sunday where the second-place team had actually closed to about four points, and I started to sweat. He had everything you could imagine. Saquon Barkley with a career game suddenly deciding to come to life. And he also had Indy's defense. So I was sitting there going, really? I mean, I'm going to get beat by a defense. <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, 
by the afternoon games, things started to happen. Some of my key players, Julio Thomas, stepped up. And I had one guy left that most people would have been looking, which was Derrick Henry and a zero. But what they couldn't see was the fact that I actually had Aaron Jones in my back pocket. And that's what made it turn out to look like a much bigger win was when Jones yeah, it, went off and that stretched everything away. Yeah, it's certainly Aaron Jones won uh, a lot of people's fantasy titles this year. We'll get into that Monday night game a little bit and much more. Uh, we're actually going to be um, talking about that Terminator title tonight with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with Scott. Um, and shout out to the chat room right now. Uh, feel free to post any questions. You all might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFL, or I'm at Eric Balkman. Scott is at ScottStoffer13. Facebook.com slash HSFFL is where to reach us. And, of course, if you want to give us a call, feel free to do so, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any questions for us, now is the time to send those in. Our producer and mutual friend, Rob, uh, will get to those uh, questions tonight. We also have... Our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, uh, working very hard in the uh, behind the glass tonight. Uh, as a reminder, if you uh, <clears throat> are still looking to um, extend this 2019 FFPC fantasy football season, you can with the FFPC Playoff Challenge, a $500,000 grand prize, $1.12 million in the prize pool at $200 an entry. And, of course, the inaugural Football Guys Playoff Challenge also going on at MyFFPC.com. That's a $100,000 grand prize, a $300,000 prize pool at a $35 entry. Certainly something that is um, easy to assemble lineups in, but difficult to master. Check that out at MyFFPC.com. The 2019 FFPC main event overall champ, Mike Pareka, was on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week. You can check that out at rotoviz.com slash podcast. You can also get it on Apple Podcasts uh, and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, great to sit in with the champ the day after he won. Uh, and he wasn't on a, a whole lot of sleep either, so it made for a very interesting 40 minutes. Scott, let's get into uh, to your interview, and, and we want to get to know you better. Uh, can you tell the listeners, when you're not playing fantasy football, what you're doing for a living? I actually am in the financial service industry as an advisor and a complex manager for one of the major firms out there. Um, one of the interesting things about that is investing, as many people probably realize, dovetails perfectly into draft philosophy and our passion and hobby. And I think you've probably seen there are a number of people in this industry that have gone on to pretty good success. Absolutely. Uh, you, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head there. In fact, Dave is going to be jealous that he was not in on this show tonight because anytime we have anybody in the, in the world of finance on the show, he's always peppering them with questions, uh, be it with fantasy football or anything in, the, in the, the financial industry as well. He loves talking about that. So I'm sure if you get an email from him, Scott, uh, on Monday after he listens to this show, you'll understand why. Uh, but you're right. I mean, there, there's a lot to, to, um, to unpack there, and, and uh, I think we're going to get into uh, some of that tonight of, of how um, you know, the, the similarities between those two things uh, intersect, and certainly it's contributed uh, to your success over the years. You've actually been a huge fan of the FFPC Terminator tournament uh, over the last, you know, whatever it's been, um, near decade now. Can you tell the listeners and, and, and the rest of us really why you like this format so much? Oh, absolutely. I've always enjoyed the best ball format. I had done it with the very first, what was it, Draft Masters competition many years ago. When Alex and Dave came up with the Terminator, 
I just jumped on it because of the fact that they added the wrinkle. And the wrinkle is one of the things that torment us, whether it be in our season long, but especially best ball, is we're often stuck with those players that were busts, the players that are injured, the players that, you know, simply can't stay out of trouble. And we have to sit there and watch them all season and go, why did I pick them? The good thing about the Terminator is you get to go along and take all of those cuts. Early on, the cuts are really easy because you get plenty of people that are injured or busts. However, as you start to get deeper in, if your team's in the running, it makes it more challenging because eventually you start having to cut players that you wouldn't be starting on your season-long teams in the championship run. And that, that's where it starts to get dicey. Uh, it's really a unique contest. I have always, you know, spoken highly of it, and this is before I actually won an overall title in it. So this is not just because, oh, he won, and wow, this is a great contest. I've really thought this is one of the most fun things. Uh, they also terminate teams completely, and that may not seem like, a, you know, how could you possibly miss it? As all of you know, life comes at you fast, and as we get into the holidays, the biggest issue you end up having is things start happening, and I have seen plenty of teams, I've almost done it myself, where you <laughs> forgot to take your player out. doesn't matter if you're in first or last. If you don't terminate, your team's gone, and you don't win a cent. And, Scott, do you, how do you handle that? Do you have, like, an alarm every week that to, to remind you or some kind of, you know, notification on your phone or your PC or what have you to make sure that you don't forget to drop a player that week? I am almost embarrassed to say, Eric, that I am still old school. I don't, you know, I go pen and paper. So I literally map out. I have a list, and I put check marks as I take the players out. Um in some cases, most of the seasons, I'm actually taking players out early in the week. You would think, I mean, there's so many things that you can sit on to get that perfect player, wait for all the injury news. I'm more worried, especially doing as many teams as I do outside of the Terminator, that I'm going to miss it. So oftentimes I'm terminating early in the week. As we got into this championship run, I altered that and started to feel the stress of, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm going to miss it. Um, it was my fiancé's birthday. We had birthday dinner, and I'm like, well, you know, I, can you give me three hours here? I've got a really important decision. <laughs> uh, nobody, you know, family doesn't understand. And I think most people probably are grinning because any of us that have done this for a while, uh, if you're not in this passion or hobby or obsession – uh, you really don't get why we are unavailable on Mondays, Thursdays, and especially Sundays. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, you hit the nail on the head there. Good stuff. And, and, you know, listen, old school or not, whatever it is, it's working for you. So keep it up there. Um, one of the Thank things you. that I thought was, was, um, was an interesting intersection between the Terminator this year and the Football Guys Players Championship and the FFPC main event, you, um, Abib Agbatoba, and um, – uh, Mike Pareka, the, the three the three champions in those formats. You guys all started off at the back end of the draft uh, with these teams, and you started off with a Julio Jones, Michael Thomas uh, start. Why do you think that uh, specifically those two players, Jones and Thomas, 
uh, drafting from the 12 spot, um, uh, Scott, why were those the two players for you there over any of the other running backs available, over any of the tight ends that were still available? What ended up happening, it was actually good fortune. I had done a few Terminators prior and had had the first half of the draft. So this was the first one where I was on the backside at 12. My plan through all my drafts had been I want to lock down a stud running back. Well, this particular draft was hammering the running backs, leaving only Dalvin Cook, who I really liked, there. So as it's coming down, I'm figuring it's going to be Cook and either Jones or Thomas, who were my two personal top-rated wideouts. And thankfully what happened is the team right before me, uh, they obviously had Juju ranked higher. They took Juju, and when it left me, Julio and Thomas, they were my two highest on the board, bar none. And that's what started me wide out, wide out. Um, did, and we're talking with Scott Stauffer, the, the 2019 FFPC Terminator champ, uh, won the $25,000 grand prize. The other uh, player I wanted to talk about it, as far as tight ends go was Darren Waller because he was a massive, massive hit for you in the 11th round this year. Now, he faded a little bit towards the end of the season. Where do you think he's going to rank among the top tight ends uh, for you in 2020? I mean, is he in that elite tier? Is he a notch below it? How do you rank him uh, you know, among uh, the big eaters at tight end? I will say, I believe, in my opinion, I think tight end is, in general, a broken position. Uh, I really don't want any injury or age guys going into 2020, so I do have Waller up there. Uh, I would say he's probably going to go in that six to eight range, but I think he's got top five upside. Not necessarily to the Kelsey level, but I could really see him continuing to do great in that Oakland offense. Again, though, part of it is you're tied to what Carr does, and that, that's probably the wild card there because Carr is no Mahomes. Yeah, and, and you know, Tyrell Williams dealt with this. I think it was like a foot issue towards the end of the season. They obviously traded Amari Cooper last year. You've got to believe that they're probably going to bring in some other type of pass catcher to, to go along with Waller and Jacobs as a threat on the perimeter in that offense and something that they really lack this year. But you're right. I mean, if you're, you're drafting Waller, you're, you're essentially drafting Derek Carr along with them as well. And, and you always want to be careful. They always say, beware the career year, which is what he had this past year. And you don't want to draft for his ceiling. You want to draft him at the right spot. There could be some crazy Waller people next year that are willing to draft him uh, a little bit higher than uh, some of the rest. So it's something to watch out for, something we'll be – following closely scott in the 26 round terminator format is there a set number of players that you like to have at each position you know um i i think that um in the 28 round the standard uh, draft experts best balls uh, at the ffpc i think a lot of people like to have three quarterbacks three or four to tight ends three kickers three defenses um at least that seems to be the the popular opinion or one of the popular opinions is that the same for you in, in the 26 rounds or do you not have a set uh, number of players at each position that you'd like to have. It just kind of depends on the flow of the draft. Historically, what I typically like to do, you nailed it. I, I do try to get three at QB, tight end, kicker, and defense. I'm trying to cover for buys. I'm trying to cover for injuries. And then, I mean, the perfect setup is you have seven running backs, seven wideouts. Often it seems I kept coming with six running backs a little thinner and then eight wideouts. Um, I will let the flow of the draft dictate, but more often that's 
with regards to what I'm taking. Um, there was one Terminator where I was sitting on QBs. I sat too long, so I decided to get cute and try to see what happens if, you know, I run with two quarterbacks. Roethlisberger was one of my two. You can imagine hmm. how that team ended up. Not anywhere yeah. near this one. <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, well, and, and speaking of game, first of all, uh, we should, and you, you kind of touched on this earlier, so to reiterate, the Terminator format, it is a 26-round best ball uh, tournament, and uh, each week you have to drop one player off of your roster. Um, and then when it comes down to week 16, you have 10 players left on your roster, uh, essentially a starting lineup, except in Scott's case, uh, Scott, you decided the last two weeks you weren't going to go with the defense. Tell us a little bit about the strategy that was employed there uh, where you weren't playing a defense those last couple of weeks of the season. Um, my team, thankfully, had stayed pretty healthy all year. Uh, my running back wide receiver depth really was strong. Then what ended up happening as we got towards the championship, uh, one of my quarterbacks who I loved all year was Jameis Winston. Even with all the interceptions, he breaks his hand. So now he's got a fractured hand. I have no idea. I mean, is he going to get, is he going to play? Is he going to get hit right away? So that forces me to carry a quarterback I wasn't so thrilled with, Jared Goff. So now by having the two quarterbacks, it meant I had to let go of somebody. Um, I wrestled with it and then said, you know what? I'm going to make a bold move. I'll take a zero with the idea that, my stronger positions, maybe it's going to allow me to have somebody who goes off who replaces uh, an underperformer that week. So I ended up going in, uh, rereading all of the rules to make sure that I could actually do this. I didn't want to go and get terminated for an illegal lineup or anything like that. Uh, found out that it was perfectly fine, and then I went and took, took out the defense uh, week 15 where it happened, it paid off because the person who got replaced was Derrick Henry, who had scored single digits, and he got replaced by Michael Thomas. And that definitely oh. paid off far more than the defense would have. Yeah, it's, it's just another layer of strategy, too, to that. I mean, you, you run the risk of, well, I mean, you are taking a zero at defense, um, but it, it, it makes you a little bit more flexible at the, some of the more quote-unquote high-scoring positions, and it certainly played into your hands where you end up winning the title. Uh, so congratulations on that decision. Um, you, you know, Scott, as, as we talk about these, and you mentioned it earlier, the, the tough cuts, the tough decisions that you have to make of releasing a player not only um, you know, each week, but that that decision reverberates and it affects the rest of your roster the remainder of the season. As you look back on the cuts that you had made on this team, was there one that, that you felt, aside from the one that we just talked about, that helped really spur you on to the championship? Or, you know, one that really could have taken you out of the running if, if you would have gone the other way and chosen a different player? Well, I will say, even though we just talked about it, and this shows you how fortune, fortunes can change on one decision, the defense move, had I decided I was going to keep a full lineup, Eric, the two players I was rotating through getting rid of was Mike Williams and Kenyon Drake. And if I ended up choosing Kenyon Drake, you and I aren't chatting tonight. That's <laughs> probably true. I mean, the way that he crushed it at the end of the season was just unbelievable. And now you look at, you know, I, and Scott, just ta as long as we're talking about Drake, you look at 2020 
David Johnson represents a huge cap number for Arizona, and Kenyon Drake's yep. a free agent. I wonder what they're going to do there. If they're going to break the bit, not necessarily if they have to break the bank for Drake, um, they may not. I mean, they're going to have to pay him uh, much more than he was making. Or they could go with a rookie running back. What do you see Arizona doing next year? Is Drake still the starting running back uh, in, in 2020, the way that you envision that squad? I, I will say I think he will be. Uh, again, as you had mentioned, being the long-suffering Dolphins fan, Drake had flashed. He had showed talent, and much as we've seen many Dolphins on both sides of the ball suddenly excel as soon as they were away from Adam Gase, um, I believe in the case of Drake, he's going to be the guy because Kingsbury, Drake is his man. It wasn't somebody he inherited. Johnson, you know, Chase Edmonds, they were all inherited. Drake is, for the most part, one that Kingsbury has his fingerprints all over. So I'm kind of thinking they may actually pay him and make him the guy and make him the centerpiece along naturally with that young quarterback. I mean, because you get that nice young quarterback running back combo, sky's the limit. Uh, I know that we should mention this, that too, as, as long as we're talking about the Dolphins here. You are not the only long-suffering Dolphins fan uh, that I know. Of course, Jeff Tiribasi, who plays a, a lot of high-stakes uh, stuff with, with the FFPC, uh, he's a big Dolphins fan. A guy I used to do a pop culture podcast with, uh, Jay Spanbauer. He is a massive Dolphins fan, too. And he keeps saying every year, it's the year of the Dolphins, Balky. It's the year of the Dolphins. And then it, it doesn't seem to be. This was certainly an interesting year for the Dolphins as they traded a ton of assets, you know, Laramie Tunsil, Micah Fitzpatrick, the list goes on, and on Kenyon Drake, um, for draft assets coming up in the 2020 draft and 2021 draft. As you looked at how they uh, did this this year, Scott, where, where are you, I mean, you have to be excited for the future if you're a Dolphins fan. Is there anybody that's on this roster right now that, that's maybe still remaining that you think, and, and we could talk maybe about Preston Williams and Devontae Parker and how you look at those guys going forward because Preston Williams flashed. Devontae Parker was really, really good this season as well. Uh, your thoughts on the Dolphins going forward uh, into 2020? I will say Preston Williams completely impressed with him. I had him on a number of teams. It's a shame that he went down with the injury, but we saw enough to see that, you know, there, there is a real football player there. The one thing that injury did is all of a sudden we see everything that many of us have bought into and gone down in flames with, with Devonte Parker, I guess all of a sudden we're now talking about a year five breakout. I didn't know that was a thing, but <laughs> with Devonte and Preston Williams, this, this could make for, you know, a really good wide receiver core, depending who they bring in a quarterback. My only hesitation is, you know, it's great. We have all this draft capital, but can, the upper management make the right moves. I like the things I'm seeing out of the coaching staff, but the GM and owner, you know, they, they've yet to really show us much considering they had put all their confidence in Gase. And I mean, he just keeps destroying franchises every team he goes to. Yeah. Hurricane Gase. It's certainly not, uh, there's a lot of Jets fans that are not loving that hire. Uh, no question. Oh, We're going to get question. into some more. 
Yeah, we're going to get into some more emails uh, later on in the show, but uh, I wanted to get a couple of emails out of the way uh, for you, Scott, here that came in from some listeners. Chuck in Dallas writes, do you expect a post-hype breakout for David Montgomery in 2020 since he will undoubtedly go cheaper in drafts than he did this season? Chuck, thanks for the email. Thanks for listening. David Montgomery was a guy that really got hyped up towards the last few weeks of, of draft season, Scott. And, um, you know, largely disappointed, as did, you know, outside of Allen Robinson, that entire Bears offense in general. Um, but David Montgomery, could he be a bounce-back type guy this, uh, this coming year where you can get him on the cheap and he might be a decent top-20 guy? I, I will say, being that I do live in the Chicagoland area, uh, very much follow the goings-on of the Bears. And I would say Montgomery is, without question, worth a look. I think we're going to get him fairly cheap. Didn't really understand the hype. I I did not go after him in my season-long drafts, largely because of the fact he was just rocketing up the boards. And at the time, they had brought in Mike Davis. They were claiming he was going to have a role. They still had Cohen, and there were great, you know, concerns about what is Trubisky going to be able to do. The only problem for Montgomery, I would see again, and this, you know, keeps coming back, is the quarterback. And I mean, we've seen where stud running backs can be the person, but. If the quarterback can't really manage the offense and put any threat there, they just jam eight in the box, and it doesn't matter who you are. You end up with a middling year. Uh, If they can get that straightened out, because there are a lot of good assets on the team, if they can get the quarterback play straightened out, Montgomery could end up being a steal. But again, you know, it's similar to the comment we made about Carr. Uh, Same type of thing. I view it for Montgomery. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, and if it, it, for whatever reason it worked out for Allen Robinson this year, and I guess to a certain respect, it worked out a little bit for Anthony Miller, although he was kind of inconsistent as well. But we'll be paying attention to that Bears backfield uh, in, in 2020. Could be a bounce-back situation there uh, for Montgomery. And we'll see where people are drafting him, too. I think that's, that's sort of what's going to determine it is, is where is he going in drafts. Is, is that a good spot for him? Is it still too high, or is it just right? Uh, that's something we'll, we'll have um, best ball drafts launching, I would imagine, probably in the next three to four weeks uh, before the playoffs are over. Uh, so that's something that we'll be able to talk about uh, right away when uh, those drafts start going off. Scott Stoffer, the $25,000 uh, FFPC Terminator Grand Prize champion, uh, with us tonight here co-hosting with me, Eric Balkman, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. One more email here uh, from Jim in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He writes, hey, Scott, I'm joining the playoff challenge for the first time this year. Any advice on what to do or what not to do? Nice win in the Terminator. That is Jim in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thanks for the email, Jim. Uh, you've, uh, you've, you've played in the FFPC playoff challenge before, Scott. You've, you've won some cash doing it as well. Yep. Uh, is there any blanket advice or, or good advice that, that, uh, that, that you can offer a first-time entrant in the contest? I would say make sure to go after players you like. Um, one of the things that's changing this event is actually the advent of DFS because in the past you, you would see lots of chalk and then what would end up taking place is that you would have people would try to find differentiators. Well, now that we have the DFS world out there, everybody's looking for differentiators, which is I think going to change 
how some of these lineups are. They may not be as chalky. Um, with me, what I do, and I tend to gamble a little bit on this, it's worked sometimes, but it can burn you. I find players on each team that I want across all my teams. So let's say, for example, in the case of if Dallas was to make it, okay? If Dallas was to make it, yes, there are all sorts of potential assets there. Mine would be Zeke Elliott, a running back who really isn't going to share and it's all his, and that would take all of my spots outside of if I had a team with Dak. And that's what I start doing is I start looking for players, setting up who I would take, and then once the lineups come out, okay, once we actually see who's qualified, I go to the Vegas lines, I take a look at who the highest, you know, point spreads are, try to then figure out who I'm going to eliminate. So what, what happens is in that challenge, you're trying to, you know, for you to really win, you need to not only pick the two teams that you absolutely think aren't going to advance and really don't have much of anything, you know, they're going to get dominated defensively, and you need to then try to find the next two, and oftentimes that becomes your defense and kicker. Now, Again, could be different this year because people are looking at New England's defense and some of these defenses that are going crazy with the scoring. But for the most part, that's how I've gone about doing it. And the only time it stings you is if one of your players gets hurt. Because if you, get, if you have a player get hurt, you pretty much blown yourself up. I mean, because of the fact that there are so many people at such both events uh, the FFPC Playoff Challenge and the FPC Playoff Challenge, these have now so many entrants because people are so excited about it that it will, you know. So that's, my, that's the way I do it. A lot of people will hedge, will mix up lineups, so they always have something going. But I tend to, in poker terms, use the all-in philosophy. Yeah, and, and you look at it. You look at it from from the standpoint of well, you know, we talk about how exciting the NFL playoffs are, and you know, it's like a month long, you know, sometimes a month plus long process. But it's eleven games, and and that's it, and that's the entire playoffs. That's including the Super Bowl, and you not only have to you know get the right players, you got to get the right the teams right, as you pointed out. You know, you got to figure out which two teams uh, are going to be done right away. Which two teams are going to um, uh, make it all the way to the Super Bowl since you get double points there, too? So I, I think it's, it's, it's obviously crucial to pick the right players, but if you can get the right teams, I think that gives you a leg up uh, in the competition as well. We're going to get into more Absolutely. of that uh, playoff challenge stuff uh, coming up later in the show, and then next week is our big playoff challenge preview here on the HSFF Hour, so we'll have much more uh, to, uh, to talk about on that. To continue that conversation, uh, is there a player, um, you, you kind of alluded to, to, to Elliot, how if Dallas were to make it, you would love to have him in, in your lineups in, in that contest. Um, is there another player that, that you think um, that, that may already be in the playoffs uh, that should be in a lot of people's lineups? And then conversely, maybe a player that uh, a lot of people are, are going to be jumping aboard that you think maybe they should spill their role on that and, and this should not be a player that should be in your, a lot of your lineups. Absolutely. Uh, the one that I think should be in, it may not seem a surprise, it's Michael Thomas. How can you not? However, the reason I bring him up uh, largely, obviously New Orleans has plenty of weapons. There's lots of differentiators. 
The frustrating thing to me about New Orleans is Sean Payton thinks he's smarter than all of us, and he obviously hates our fantasy teams. So (laughs) Michael Thomas seems to me to be the only player that doesn't get basically shafted by coaching. I mean, we've seen Breeze get pulled for Taysom Hill. We've seen Kamara. I mean, it's just maddening. And anybody who's done the season long and had those players, we all, you you can relate. So to me, Michael Thomas is one I will have on all teams. And if it turns out it's going to be a Kamara type of year, okay, so be it. But I, I would rather go down thinking I've got the one guy that Peyton can't even outsmart himself with. Uh, As far as on the avoid side, Eric, this will probably surprise people. Um, If if Philly qualifies, um, now I guess with the injury news, maybe it won't be as much of a surprise, but the guy I was actually not going to have on any teams was Zach Ertz, uh, largely because of how Goddard was showing. Now, with some of the injuries, it makes it an even easier one. Uh, outside of that, the person that I really am going to fade is an absolute stud on a team that many people think are going to the Super Bowl, and it's going to be Mark Ingram. Uh, the fact that he is now banged up, and we know they've got two other quality running backs, I, I just, you know, I'm not going to take the chance. I really don't want to have the person who either has to start getting phased in or, you know, getting back up to speed or worse, you know, comes out and immediately uh, takes a hamstring or has something pull because they were injured. No, I, I want nothing to do with it. So Ingram will be one uh, that I won't have on any of my teams. That is interesting, um, and we're going to talk about the Ravens coming up a little bit uh, uh, later on in the show. Uh, more playoff, I, we have more playoff challenge emails uh, that, that came in from listeners this week. Getting back awesome. to your Terminator, Tider, uh, Scott, twenty-five grand. That is a nice little chunk of change. Do you have any, any plans for it? Is that money earmarked for anything right now? Uh, actually, one of the chunks of it, my fiance has a beautiful, rather expensive watch that she had seen and was dreaming of. Um, I'm going to buy her that, but with the stipulation that when people say, oh, did Scott get that for you? She is not only going to say yes, but she's going to say yes with his fantasy football winnings. What I am <laughs> hoping, Eric, is that maybe this will finally get all of my friends, all of my family, all of her family to try to understand why she's a football widow for four months. Wow, that's awesome. That is fantastic. That is the way everybody should do it, quite frankly. That is one of the smartest things that have ever been said on this show. So congratulations (laughs) to you on that. Uh, Let's get into some uh, some news that is uh, going around the NFL uh, this evening here on, on Friday, on the eve of week 17. I want to thank football guys Roto World and Rob for tonight's rundown. Uh, Antonio Brown back in the news. He uh, visited the Saints on Friday, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, Schefter actually reported that the Saints are doing their due diligence on Brown. Sean Payton said that a signing isn't imminent, but this is the first time we've heard of him you know, with another organization uh, since the Patriots cut him earlier this season. Obviously, we know about all the off-field stuff that's going on with Antonio Brown and his Twitter tirades. But remember, the Saints took a chance on Janoris Jenkins recently after the Giants released him uh, after his uh, Twitter snafu as well. 
So, you know, we don't know what the NFL or how far along the NFL's investigation is. We don't know if he's going to go on the exempt list. We don't even know if the Saints are going to sign him. But at this point, I think, uh, Scott, maybe the proper thing to do is, is, you know, especially if you're playing Dynasty, you keep an eye on this. For me, I, I don't think that this is anything imminent because I feel like even if the Saints were to sign him, you're probably looking at a long, drawn-out process for the NFL. I just don't think they want him on the field this season. I agree completely with you, Eric. Uh, I think it's a non-story this year. I do think because he's got, you know, unbelievable God-given talent, he will get another chance. Um, Sean Payton is definitely a coach, as I had mentioned earlier, who thinks he's smarter than everyone else, including Belichick, and maybe figures he can get Antonio right. Uh, The one thing I will add is imagine Antonio Brown in the Big Easy and Bourbon Street and all the stuff what possibly could go wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. That's that's just a uh, that's a recipe for a disaster, no question. Um, and now I, I think from a from you know on on paper from a pure fantasy football standpoint, gets you very excited. Maybe not if you're a Michael Thomas owner, but as far as this year goes, I mean, if, let's I mean, best case scenario for Antonio Brown. Let's say the Saints sign him. Let's say he's eligible for the playoffs. You're looking at the playoff challenge. I don't see any way that you could make a good case given that he's been off the field this entire season, to put Antonio Brown on your roster over Kamara, over Breeze, over Cook, and especially the guy that you just mentioned, Michael Thomas. Completely agree with you. I mean, the only reason people would do it is, again, going back to the DFS world, there would be people that would go with it as a differentiator. That dart throw hopes that maybe he, you know, finds – the past history goes off, and now I'm the one that has him. Yeah, no, that'll be somebody else who has him. I, I wouldn't waste Let's, my entry fee on Yeah, no, I'm with you. I wouldn't either. Uh, keeping it in the NFC South, especially with receivers here, Chris Godwin did not practice again today. He has since been ruled out, according to Pewter Report, on Twitter. It was an awesome year for Chris Godwin. 86 catches, over 1,300 yards, and nine touchdowns on 121 targets. Um, if you are looking at drafts next year in 2020, who are you picking first if you're decided you're going to take a Tampa receiver, Scott? Is it still Mike Evans, or is Chris Godwin leapfrogged him as the Buccaneers receiver you want? Chris Godwin is an absolute stud. I mean, I love everything about him. I want him on my teams. However, I'm also a believer in regression to the mean. I am going to say that – Coaches may scheme differently, and they've seen what Godwin offers, and maybe now Godwin could start attracting those top cover corners. And I'm actually, at the moment, I'm leaning towards Evans. And, but it's not, it's not that I think Evans is better than Godwin, but I think it may just be a reversal in who the one and two is, at least as perceived by other teams. And if they start scheming more towards Godwin, it could be Evans that suddenly is getting, you know, the lesser coverage. I'm just looking at this from a points, a fantasy points per game uh, standpoint. Chris Godwin this year uh, for, for in FFPC scoring averaged 19.7 uh, fantasy points a game. And Evans was not far behind, 17.9. Those were both top five performances in points per game this year. Um, Michael Thomas obviously being number one, Godwin two. 
and then Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and then Mike Evans. So Evans still had a great season this year. I think I'm with you. I think I'd still take Evans over Godwin, but it's so razor thin. And I think the other Absolutely. thing, too, and, and, and Scott, you, you could look at it from this standpoint, there might be a lot of people out there that won't even give you the chance that they'll take Godwin higher than, you know, you know drafting him, based again, based on his ceiling and um, not expecting any kind of regression to the mean, which, you know, you, you probably should pick pick a, a little bit for, for Godwin next year. So you may not get the opportunity to draft Godwin. Evans could actually fall in drafts and be a nice little value. That's, that's what I'm thinking. And if I may, Eric, one of the things, that's just kind of a little tip that always amazes me. You have Edwins and Godwin, like you said, both top five. People love them. The thing that amazed me was how many people were down on Jameis. If you think you've got these two guys that are going to be 1,000-yard receivers, why did nobody want the quarterback? And we see that how many times? You know, you'll see, oh, I think all these receivers are going to do great, and then the quarterback nobody wants. Well, it can't work that way. So if you're right on the quarterback, it means you shouldn't be taking those receivers really high. And if you're right on the receivers, then, you know, the quarterback shouldn't be going as low. And you can look at like a golf where everybody thought, okay, he's going to have two, maybe three receivers that are just going to have 1,000-yard seasons. Well, that didn't happen because Goff regressed. And in the case of Jameis, Jameis was a steal in drafts, if you truly believed, as many of us did, in Evans and Godwin. So just kind of a little thing for people to think about, you know, when you're going into draft season, take a look at where people believe players are going to be and then look for, you know, what, what areas are not lining up because something's got to give. Um, it's for, and that's something that Dave and I have brought up on this show many a time. And basically ever since um, uh, Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden were being drafted in like the second and third rounds, and yet Kurt Warner was going in the 10th, like that made, made no sense. That, you know, yeah, okay, well, either, that's a great either, example. You know, like either Warner is, is uh, the steal of the year or Fitzgerald and, and Bolden are going to ruin fantasy teams. So we ended up getting Warner uh, in, in a lot of leagues that year and, and, and really enjoyed it because he, he had that, obviously, that Bafo fantasy season. A guy who had another great season this year is Leonard Fournette. Now, he was downgraded to a, a did not practice yesterday, according to Pro Football Talk. Um, it sounds like he is still going to go in week 17. This is actually the first time all season Leonard Fournette has been on the injury report. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, this weekend, but it sounds like he's going to go. You look at what he's done this year, Scott. This is a guy who finished seventh, uh, you know, weeks one through 16, who finished seventh in running back scoring, um, who, who really lived up to the hype this year, was catching passes. Did we see the real Leonard Fournette this year, or is he going to be going back to, you know, in 2020, oh, that ankle injury is, is nagging him again, uh, he, you know, for whatever reason that, the, we saw the career year in pass catches uh, in 2019, and that's going to regress. Who's the real Leonard Fournette? Is it something in between, uh, or is this what we can expect now? I, I think now, and, and this is part of the reason he really wants to play this final week. He wants to have a full season where he played every game, and I think he will do it. I mean, unless the coaches just say absolutely not. Um, I think this is. There's plenty of talent there. What I would really like to see, Eric, is I'd like to see him with a better QB and a better coach and better usage. Uh, What we saw with Fournette this year was impressive, and when you take a look at how his touchdown regression was, I mean, 
you look and say, wait a minute, if this guy was scoring just a normal amount of touchdowns for the usage, what, I mean, where would we be talking about him where he could be ranked? So Fournette, I will go to the well with him again, and this is coming from someone who did go after him this year and has also been burnt with him in previous years. I mean, I've seen teams go up in smoke because I believed. And every time I swear him off, uh, this year I was not going to go after him. And as we started going through, it just, the reports were he's healthy. I watched him in the preseason. You know, you started to see things and go, okay, wait a minute. You know, maybe he really really is healthy, and I went and started biting on him again. So I, I do think this is the real Fournette. If he, you know, plays a full season, how can you not? Yeah, no, I hope you're right. I own him in a dynasty league that I, I never really liked him. I, I picked him up in um, in uh, one of those uh, dispersal drafts and uh, just planned on waiting for him to have a big, you know, a couple of big games so I could trade him. And now he had the big season, and now I'm not looking at trading him. He's sort of a foundation on the team. So I hope you're right on that, uh, and I hope he can uh, get another good season under his belt in 2020, continue what he, uh, what he was expected to do after he was drafted so high. Uh, running back who is not drafted, extraordinarily high, that's been through a lot and seemingly leaves every game injured because I think it's because of his running style, it's James Conner. Uh, he did not practice again yesterday, according to Ray Fittipaldo on Twitter. He's got the thigh issue. Um, you know, they need to win this week, but I, I just I can't see him coming back out there. You're looking at Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels again um, in week 17. And I'm looking at this from, from this standpoint, uh, Scott. You look at the Steelers and what they've been able to achieve this year, I think has been tr- pretty tremendous given the, the bad cards that they've been dealt. But you look at 2020, Roethlisberger just said this week he's coming back hopefully uh, better than ever. Juju Smith-Schuster, hopefully his uh, leg issues and his concussion stuff is behind him. He'll be back better than ever. You saw James Washington and Deontay Johnson really take steps up this year, catching passes from from Duck Hodges and and putting up non-embarrassing numbers, quite frankly, uh, in the process. Uh, And and they're not going to be expected to be the man next year. Uh, Smith-Schuster, these guys just have to be, um, you know, sort of compliments to him. Do you think the Steelers would be using a, a, a high pick in the draft, potentially a first or second round pick? Well, they won't have their first round pick because they traded it to Miami, but maybe a second round pick on a guy who could be a three down back for Pittsburgh to really solidify this offense and be contenders for the AFC, even though they're in the same division as Baltimore. Being that it's Pittsburgh, being that Steelers have always really wanted to be running in defense. I agree with you. I think they're going to go for a running back. My personal opinion, they ought to be burning one of those earlier round picks on a quarterback because you have an aging and now injured Roethlisberger, and it's apparent they have nothing behind them. And, I mean, you look at all the talent on that team, and this team imploded when they lost Ben. I mean, I I just think they should – take they, they've got to start looking at somebody and get them in there but I agree completely with you uh, my guess is they'll probably go out and go for a running back yeah and I just I can't see them going to bat with James Conner as the main guy again next year he's just no. his body cannot take it uh, he cannot take being a, a three down workhorse and, and he's fine as a compliment he'd probably be pretty great and you know if they limit his touches he just his body's not going to hold up over the course of the season. Uh, Terry McLaurin did not practice yesterday, according to John Kime on Twitter. He's got uh, that concussion issue that he's dealing with. 
He has a chance to get 1,000 yards against uh, the Cowboys on Sunday, which means uh, Washington probably wants him out there to, to try to notch that 1,000 yards in his rookie year. Do you foresee a sophomore slump uh, for Terry McLaurin in 2020? Um, or, or, Scott, is he the real deal in Washington? I will preface it by saying I was off McLaurin, so I'm not going to sit here and say, wow, this is a guy that I was right on. I liked his talent. I was off him because I just thought the team was going to be a complete debacle. I am stunned by the amount of yards receiving he had. However, I can't see myself going after him unless early next year we start to hear reports and see that there's decent development out of Haskins. The combination could be good, but I just think the team is still quite a bit of a mess. And if they, you know, if they can't quite get it together, an offseason, coaches able to scheme, they may be able to cause McLaren just to take a little bit of a step back. But it's not because of his talent. I mean, the guy's, guy's amazing. He is amazing. And he's uh, one of the guys that I wish I would have picked up. I've got him in a couple of, of leagues off the waiver wire early. Um, I wish I would have oh, picked him up in more because – yeah, well, I wasn't smart enough to do it on enough teams. That was my, my bugaboo on that. So uh, a couple of, couple of leagues I picked him up in, uh, those turned out okay. I just should have done it on more. And, and, you know, we talk about fantasy regrets. I have them every single year. That's one of them I regret that I wish I would have picked him up in more leagues. But hindsight is twenty twenty indeed. Let's get to a few emails here, Scott. Uh, last few minutes of the show here. Uh, go to Roger in Emporium, Pennsylvania. Uh, what's up, guys? How do you assess Todd Gurley for 2020? Is he simply going to be a top 20-ish back for the duration of his career now? That is Roger in Emporium, Pennsylvania. Thank you for the email, Roger. You look at Todd Gurley, Scott, and, and there is whispers about this, about him them limiting his action. Uh, he certainly was not as uh, big of a factor uh, in inside the 20s as as he was in 20 as he was in 2018. Excuse me. Still was. I mean, he put up a decent number of touchdowns uh, this past year. He just wasn't. He, he was just Todd Gurley and not Todd Gurley, you know, what, what he was um, in, in previous years. Uh, as Absolutely. far as total points goes, he finishes as a uh, number 14 running back uh, this year. So certainly not, you know, I mean, depending upon where you got him, I mean, that seems about right then. But is this what we're looking at for Gurley now for the remainder of his career because of that need? I'm thinking it is as long as he's with this coach. This is another coach that I put in the – much smarter than the rest of the world category. Uh, you look at how he managed Gurley. It wasn't until they absolutely needed him that they started giving him the load and you started seeing him do, you know, things that we remember. But that was only because they were desperately trying to make the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, I think this coach is going to keep doing that. You know, I'm going to manage him so that he's fresh for the playoffs or, oh, crap, we're in trouble of not making it, so we better trot him out now. But he'll probably torment fantasy owners a lot. And I, I don't think it's as much girly as I think it's the coach. And, and I still come back to the, to the whole, you know, Detroit signed Malcolm Brown to that offer sheet. The Rams matched it. Uh, the Rams – gave up significant draft capital to move up in the draft to, to select Daryl Henderson. Now, neither of those guys was used, especially Henderson, 
was not used a ton this year. We still saw a lot of goalie, right. but I would imagine that, that they'll get closer uh, in touches than they were uh, this past season. I, I think you're right, uh, especially with the way Sean McVay likes to use Gurley. Uh, now we got some emails about uh, the playoff challenge. You want to get into those here? Mike in Cincinnati, I would imagine a ton of people are going to have Lamar Jackson going in the playoff challenge. Am I better off picking Ingram, Andrews, or that defense instead? Thanks for the email. Mike, we touched on this earlier with you, Scott. You said uh, you're actually going to be fading Ingram. Does that mean you're going to have Lamar Jackson on a lot of teams? I, I will definitely have Lamar out there. Um, a lot of it is going to depend on where you believe the Ravens, you know, once once the playoff lineups get set, where you believe they're going to go, how deep they're going to go. Um, they spread the ball around a lot. I mean, Lamar is really the one consistent aspect outside of Ingram, but with Ingram banged up, I'm, I'm just not willing to go there. Um, obviously, they've got Marquise Brown. Andrews is an absolute stud. I mean, he'd be great to have on teams, except the problem is you get those games where Andrews is not the guy and it's one of the other many tight ends that, you know, Jackson can throw to. To me, I almost think that if I'm going to have Ravens, it's going to be Jackson. It might at times be, you know, if I don't have a Jackson team, it might be Tucker. You know, with the idea that the defense and kicking are going to be what really propels them. So maybe I make them, you know, the kicker or the defense if I don't think that they're going to go deep. And my guess is a lot of that's going to be based on how the teams end up because, you know, we still don't know is Tennessee going to be in. I mean, there's some teams that could cause just some matchup problems if they don't have Ingram fully healthy. And, you know, bears mentioning John Zaleski, who won this competition last year, his cuck, uh, his kicker was indeed Justin Tucker. So I mean, he's, he's, you, you know you can do it uh, with Tucker on the team. Uh, let's go to Joe in Los Angeles. Happy New Year, HSFF guys. For my challenge lineup, I know I need a chief, but I'm torn on which one to go with. Who would you advise as to the representative from Kansas City? TIA, that is Joe in Los Angeles. Joe, appreciate you listening. A lot of options in Kansas City. Um, you know, you have Damian Williams, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Harrison Butker. You can make a case for it too. I know there's been there's been people um, uh, in the past. I don't know if it's necessarily worked out, but they've taken Sammy Watkins as like an upside differentiation yep. play over all those guys as well. Scott, as you assess this Kansas City team, do you have any favorites uh, right now that that you would consider to be your main guy in Kansas City? It would be. The broken position, it'd be Kelsey. Kelsey will be a guy that'll be on most of my teams, obviously not my Mahomes team because you can only have one player. But Kelsey is what I view as the safe bet. Uh, Tyreek is definitely that upside play. The only problem with Tyreek is, you know, the way he plays, he can get injured. He's stayed out of trouble, so that's good. But Kelsey... Kelsey just seems to me, especially with the fact that we've had some tight ends that people thought were automatics, you know, the Ertz's of the world, they've all been dropping like flies even these last few weeks. So my guess is it'll be Kelsey, but expect him to probably be really, really chalky. 
Uh, let's move on to Lou in Palmyra, Pennsylvania. What's, uh, what's up, Scott and Balky? I'm really struggling with the running back group in the playoff challenge and am unsure how to proceed there. Do you guys have any must plays? That is Lou in Palmyra, Pennsylvania. Um, okay, so, so a couple of things to unpack here. Number one, you look at Alvin, Alvin Kamara is, is probably not going to be the most owned saint because of Michael Thomas. Aaron Jones certainly is going to be a very popular pick. I think for Minnesota, we know that they're in. Dalvin Cook's probably going to be uh, pretty popular as far as running backs go, unless you believe that they're going to be out right away, uh, which is certainly possible. Uh, over in the AFC, we, we talked a little bit about Damian Williams. There's James White still floating there. We, Mark Ingram's a possibility. I know he's not one of your favorites. Uh, and then we don't know. I mean, Derrick Henry, Titans aren't officially in yet. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But do you have any favorites, any must plays at the running back position right now, Scott? I'm looking at Henry, assuming Tennessee wins and gets in, and with all of the, you know, all the players that are banged up on Houston. I know their coach said they're going to really try to win. He'd be out of his mind. I, I just think a lot of their studs aren't seeing the field, so Tennessee should be able to be in. Uh, Henry does not look to be injured. I mean, they really didn't have much to play for. And then last week, I think that's probably why many of us saw zeros if you had them on your I, – I don't think it was an injury. I think they were just getting them ready for this must-win game. So Henry would be one. Uh, the other one that I would probably lean towards can be dangerous again, but he's been on fire. He is by far and away the best back on the team, would be Aaron Jones in Green Bay. Um, Again, a lot of it depends on who they play, you know, what seed they end up. I mean, there's so many possibilities. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Green Bay still mathematically has some way where, you know, things can go through Lambeau. If that happens, you really want one of their running backs if you catch a snow game. Uh, So right now, I'm probably leaning more a Henry and a Jones if Dallas, by some miracle, got in, you know, Philadelphia found a way to lose to the Giants and Dallas actually won a game, then Zeke would be an automatic. Yeah, regarding that, yeah, regarding that seed uh, point that you're making with Green Bay, they can be the number one seed. What has to happen, and, and I'll just point out, I mean, there's a diff- several different scenarios, but the most likely one, if, you're, if we're not talking about ties, uh, if, if Green Bay beats Detroit in Detroit this week and uh, San Francisco loses to Seattle in Seattle, then the Packers would get the number one seed. Right now, Packers are about a 12-and-a-half-point favorite in Detroit. Uh, and then, obviously, that Sunday night game, uh, San Francisco a three-point favorite uh, against Seattle, be, probably because of that rushing game. No Rashad Penny, no Chris Carson. And I think that's going to lead into our final question of the night here. This is from Steve in Live Oak, Florida. If the Seahawks do indeed upset the Niners at home this week and become the number two seed, is Wilson the obvious choice at quarterback? with the absence of any kind of running game in Seattle. A belated Merry Christmas to you both. Thank you so much, Steve. The same to you and yours. Um, you look at Seattle. How do you unpack that situation? We know they're going to be in the playoffs. We know that um, I, I think they could drop as low as the five seed, if I'm remembering correctly, um, yeah, because right. they would be a wild card. Yeah, they'd be a wild card if San Francisco wins the division. Um, but you look at that situation, and, I mean, Russell Wilson's been awesome. Tyler Lockett has been Jekyll and Hyde the, the last month oh. of the season. Um, you do have a, a tight end who's been fairly involved in the offense there um, over the last few weeks in, in the absence of Will Disley. But running back, you're looking at Robert Turbin, Marshawn Lynch, Travis Homer. I don't know if you can trust any of those guys. Who would you be looking at as your Seattle rep 
and obviously, you know, you can take in kicker and in, in, into defense in, in those respects as well. In the case of Seattle, um, they have looked pretty awful in spite of their record. I, I just I haven't seen the magic. If I'm taking anyone, it's Wilson because of the fact that he can spread it around. He can do it with his legs. Um, I'm trying to take the emotion out of it. Your comments about Lockett. Uh, Lockett submarined me out of three high-stakes titles just by him throwing up that goose egg in week 13. I mean, one one place I needed a measly five points out of him. Uh, so, I mean, they have been so Jekyll and Hyde-ish. I know what a lot of us lean towards as we think about when, you know, Russell catches fire. It's been with Lockett. It's been with Baldwin in the past. We've seen that happen. That's why I will have uh, a Russell, you know, some Russell teams. But for the most part, I think I can find better spots elsewhere and even on the differentiating side. I, again, I think if, if Seattle's going anywhere, it's got to go through Wilson. Now, with Marshawn Lynch back, there are going to be people wanting to, you know, think he's going to be the Marshawn of old. Maybe he can just walk off the street and be ready and good to go, but I, I think he's still got to lean Russell. Yeah, I'm with you. I, there's nobody on that. I mean, DK Metcalf, too. I, I can't trust anybody on that team. The one guy no. I can trust is Russell Wilson. Largely because of the fact you know that uh, Russell, it can be a Metcalf game. It can be, uh, you know, right. it can be a Lockett game. You do, that's the problem. You never know which wideout is going to be the guy that, you know, goes 6, 110, and two touchdowns. And that's in this contest because it goes the length of the playoffs. You can't afford to be having the zeros, and all of them have been thrown up goose eggs. So the only guy you can really trust is the one throwing the ball. In my opinion, and the only that's worth. And, and and the guy. Well, listen, it was worth a lot because we're always trusting your opinion, Scott. Uh, this was great having you on the the program tonight. Congrats again uh, on the twenty five uh, twenty five thousand dollars in the Terminator Championship. I know it's a format you love, and 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 certainly awesome to see that you won the whole thing this year. Uh, good luck in the playoff challenge. Good luck, uh, you know, for the rest of the way here in, in any of your playoff leagues that you're participating in as we put a bow on, on this season. And, boy, coming up in just, just over a month or so, uh, roughly, the, the Super Bowl will be over, which is crazy. Yeah, it just flew, flies by. I will follow you on Twitter, at ScottStoffer13. Uh, dude, uh, can't thank you enough. Great performance tonight. Great stuff from you. Best of luck the rest of the way, and have a happy new year as well. Happy New Year to you also, Eric. Thank you very much, and I definitely recommend everyone look at the Terminator, look at the FFPC, FPC playoff challenges. They really are a blast, and it'll make, you know, make your playoffs in January a lot of fun. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Be good. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Have a good one. Scott Stauffer, ladies and gentlemen, follow her on Twitter at Scott Stauffer 13, the $25,000 grand prize winner in the 2019 FFPC Terminator Challenge. I want to thank him for hopping aboard tonight. Of course, I want to thank the FFPC, Rob Bryce, 
and of course each and every one of you for listening in on this Friday night or streaming it when uh, whenever you're listening to it later on. As a reminder, Mike Pareka, the 2019 FFPC main event half million dollar champ, is on the high stakes lowdown this week. Rotoviz.com slash podcast. Check that out on Apple Podcasts as well. We'll have, as I alluded to earlier, our FFPC playoff challenge preview. Dave will be back next week at 10-9 Central. And uh, remember to sign up for those FFPC and football guys playoff challenges at myffpc.com. End the season with a bang. It's not over. Enjoy week 17. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the floor, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Well, other rappers find a studio to grind in. You know, I know Dave was not on the show this week, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Dynasty Orphans, High Stakes Dynasty Orphans, starting at $77 on up, are available now. More are being listed each and every day. Go to myffpc.com, click on that Dynasty tab, and then there's going to be a link that says uh, Dynasty Orphans are here. Just click on that. You'll get the full roster. You'll see all the picks that are available, the current asking price for it. You can just click on that purchase button. Uh, make sure your FFPC account's funded and the team is yours. Uh, so check that out, myffpc.com. Uh, you can sign up for the playoff challenge, pick up some Dynasty Orphans, make it a great weekend, uh, and, and know that uh, your fantasy season, while it may be drawing to close for a lot of people, does not have to be drawing for, uh, to a close for you. Enjoy another month plus of high-stakes fantasy football at the FFPC. All right, my shill is over. Enjoy Week 17, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week.